Welcome to Defending Digital. I'm Chad Warner. Today, I'm pleased to have with me Luke Wilson, Vice President of Intelligence at 4IQ. He has over 15 years of experience working in U.S. federal law enforcement for the U.S. Department of Defense and the U.S. intelligence community. Luke, today I'd like to learn more about cybersecurity for average citizens as well as for the U.S. government. But first, let's go back in time. What piqued your interest in cybersecurity in the first place? Well, thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. Um, I think something that piqued my interest in cybersecurity uh, was while working for um, the, the government, I could see the crossover between just, um, you know, regular, I guess, criminal activity uh, crossing uh, across several different platforms uh, for, you know, um, in different uh, areas such as, you know, financial crime and um, actually, you know, making it all the way through to cybercrime. So there's a there's an individual behind the uh, issue. Uh, there's someone putting, you know, a, a fingers to a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And um, usually that, um, you know, keyboard, that act or something that they're doing that's suspicious or um, um, the way that they are actually uh, trying to poke and prod around um, different uh, platforms, uh, trying to find a weakness uh, to have a, you know, uh, either a financial gain or um, to c- c- to um, commit a criminal act. So that's what various, I mean, that's what um, piqued my interest a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, previous, uh, when I was in the, um, the FBI, I was at the uh, counterterrorism division and, um, you know, everything there, although it was counterterrorism division, you know, they, at some point it turned into a, a cyber issue at some mm. point, whether it's the individual traveling or a different platform that they may be using to recruit individuals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as more of our lives go online and become digital, uh, you know, all of the aspects of law enforcement and criminal investigations seem to touch on it at some point because of that intersection of, of where we're touching things digitally. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you've had an interesting career path. Um, You've mentioned a couple of uh, items from your history, but uh, would you mind briefly walking me through uh, that kind of career path that's taken you to today and and how you've gained that cybersecurity expertise along the way? Yeah, I would say initially I started working for uh, DOD as a special agent for the uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations and, um, you know, um, working various, uh, you know, criminal activities and threats to the to DOD, but then also uh, working counterterrorism threats. And, uh, you know, as I said before, you could see how this activity, you know, 10 to 15 years ago uh, was starting to, to gather steam more online. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I left there and went to work for the FBI in the counterterrorism division. And um, when, you, when you think of how people travel, how uh, they communicate, everything is mainly done over the web. Even if you think you may, you know, you go into a bank and you deposit some money, at some point that money gets transferred digitally. Sure. There's always a digital footprint there. And um, I was always fascinated about that and the, the financial aspect of, uh, you know, of, of terrorism. But um, then also... Um, left the uh, counterterrorism division and went to uh, work as the um, liaison for um, uh, uh, DOD and PACOM and looking at that transnational organized crime uh, threat as well. And that also had a very large digital footprint. Um, 
after that, I uh, came back to the FBI and um, worked uh, nation state cyber um, actors. And, you know, these are the various, uh, um, I would say, groups that are very, um, they're, they're, they're very good at what they do and trying to hide uh, who they are. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's a very uh, tough, a tough nut to crack there, but um, very interesting way of um, how they would um, use different tools and, and different platforms to uh, try to obfuscate uh, who, who may be uh, portraying these acts. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen um, kind of from different levels and, and kind of behind the scenes and different places, um, you know, what kind of your, your average person is uh, dealing with in terms of uh, threats related to their, their digital security, their digital privacy. Um, mm-hmm. In kind of seeing all of that, if you had to pick kind of the, the top few challenges or threats that the average individual is facing, what, what would you say those are? Well, I, w- I would say the biggest one is that, you know, you have no idea who is holding your data mm-hmm. or who's holding your information. Um, you, you may think you're using Amazon, but Amazon may have a third party, you know, service provider that holds that data, uh, who verifies that data. You know, um, you have so many things today where you use a, a log on and a password. You don't know where that, those, that, that information is stored. Um, so when it comes to the average individual, I mean, and I consider myself that, you know, you can't get around not logging on to things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's imperative that you, you kind of try to have some kind of security on, on your end to, to, to protect yourself because that data is out there and you won't know until it's too late, until someone's already using it, um, so, you know, uh, for some kind of criminal gain. Um, uh, or if, you know, they may just wait a long time and wait for the, uh, the appropriate moment to strike and either, you know, um, I would say, you know, transfer money out of your bank account or, you know, just use your identity. So I think one of the biggest challenges is for normal consumer, you know, how, how do I protect my own, you know, identity when everything that I want to access asks for, uh, you know, username and a password or your email address and all these things that, you know, you have no idea where your data is actually going or being transmitted through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wondering, you know, who has the data, who has access to login credentials, um, identity details. Um, yeah. Cause like you said, there's this whole ecosystem of third parties that often have their hands involved at points that we can't see. Um, so what kind of things do you recommend that people do about those? You know, what kind of steps should the average person be taking in order to do what they can to protect themselves online? You know, I mean, one of the simple things uh, I think you can do is, um, you know, depending, you can sign up for one of these identity theft monitoring services, but then also, you know, be very vigilant about, you know, the passwords and, and, and that you're using for several different sites. Um, you know, we are on worst enemy, so the, the, you know, the, the human, the human trait in the era is normally with us by trying to make things uh, simplified by using the same password across many different platforms. And all it takes is for that to be used in one platform that has um, been breached. And now those cyber criminals have all that, um, have 
you know, passwords to all of your login sites. Um, you know, make them unique. Uh, make your passwords unique. Uh, I would say also, you know, if there's a type of service uh, where you can encrypt your passwords and different data, use that as well. Uh, you're just trying to make it as hard as possible for someone to uh, attack you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this that's for uh, so kind of average adults and kind of things that they should be doing in terms of um, taking care of their passwords and uh, protecting them, using them uniquely, so that they're not subject to credential stuffing attacks where mm-hmm. um, hackers find out uh, you know credentials and then just try them on you know a whole whole mass of websites and services. Um, how about kids? Uh, are there are there particular challenges or threats? That, uh, that children face online related to their security or privacy that, that would be um, different than adults face? Um, I would say mainly the same. I, I would say the, the, the thing about kids is, you know, um, online, it's, it's, it's I, I would say you want to be able to ha- be able to monitor the, the things and the places that they're going to. Um, um, There's still going to be some, um, you know, the, the same uh, use cases of using the same password um, mm-hmm. on various different sites. But I, I think a lot of it is, you know, just that kind of cybersecurity hygiene for your entire family of <clears throat> you want to be able to understand, you know, what sites people are going on, um, you know, um, and if you can encrypt certain, um, uh, you know, your, your passwords and things of that nature, you still want to be able to do that with your kids. But it's going to be very hard. I, I would say the biggest thing with kids is understanding, um, you know, their digital footprint online and the sites that they're going to, because they, they're just going to see something and click it and, <laughs> and, 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 and it entices them to click it. And that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So helping them think through kind of the consequences and, and view things long-term uh, and, and not just be looking for, um, you know, kind of that, that, um, you know, quick win of, of whatever they're looking to find or, or do or falling yeah. prey to clickbait. Yeah, mo- most definitely. And, and that's, you know, it's the same adults fall prey to it as well. So mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, the kids will uh, too. It's just uh, one of the things that the, the earlier you can start educating them on this uh, type of information, the better, all better off they'll be. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned monitoring. Um, do you have any, any specifics um, that you recommend in the, in terms of um, software or services, or is it kind of a, a general approach of just being aware of what your kids are doing online? Yeah, just a general, uh, I think they have a lot of different apps and things now that you can place on your kids' phones or their iPads and things of that nature. But I mean, even in your own home, your Wi-Fi, you can get certain um, products that you know, allow you to understand where most of the usage is, what sites are being visited and things of that nature. And, you know, you can, you can block those sites, uh, you know, and that's just to protect, you know, your, your, yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier identity theft as one of the main threats that people face. Uh, what would you say are the most effective ways that people can protect their identities? Yeah, again, it would be, I would, I would sign up for one of these services, but also, you know, you have to be very vigilant about where you are, who, who you're given access to, 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 to your information. Um, you know, again, you know, uh, you have these certain scams that they're call up uh, older elderly people and start asking them information, you know, getting their identity and, and, and being used in different places by criminals. 
Um, you know, tax season's going to be coming around, so that's going to happen. You know, they're going to do that type of um, uh, criminal scheme again and over and over. So it's being, you know, very vigilant on the information that you're sharing across the phone, across the computer. Um, you know, that's something I never do is again, I won't, I won't put my, you know, my name and my, my social security and all these things together in, in, in an email or on a text message. It's just things like that, that if someone gets a piece of that puzzle, it's the last piece and now your identity is out there. So you have to be very uh, vigilant in, in that manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like a, a big part of that the last several years has been people oversharing on social media either sharing things that they shouldn't or setting their audience too broadly um, and, and just kind of giving away information that could be useful to identity thieves. Um, yes. Are there any particular mistakes that, that you've seen people making on social media? Well, uh, I think, you know, sometimes even pictures of, of, of places of where you're at, um, uh, pictures of, uh, you know, a, a simple family photo that has your... Uh, your uh, your actual address in it can be used <laughs> in identity theft. Um, being uh, you you don't understand when people may or, or, or may not want to attack you, and they may already have all this information. But you know, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm out of the country on travel, and this is lovely," and these types of things. <laughs> well, it's a perfect time to start attacking your your, your bank account. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so things of that nature where you know. Um, you know, that, that these cyber criminals are just sitting there and waiting for the right uh, opportune time. Uh, you know, and then also it, it kind of, you know, some of that stuff also leads to physical protection too, because if you're a high net worth individual and you say, I'm traveling here, or I'm going there, um, that could relate to some, you know, physical harm to you or someone that you love as well. So just being very vigilant on um, the type of information you put out there on the open web. Right, right. Yeah, one of my most popular blog posts is about not posting about travel before or during the trip. And uh, because I, I still see that, I mean, I've seen it again, just now during the during the holidays and people traveling for Thanksgiving and uh, announcing well in advance, you know, I'm not going to be home, I'm going to be at this place. And then, uh, you know, you're endangering your property, you're, you're um, saying you're not going to be watching your accounts very closely. So, um, yeah, just all kinds of dangers with, uh, with that kind of oversharing. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I was told, I tell people that uh, whatever physical harm someone could do you, if you post that type of information, just imagine what they could do, uh, you know, over the internet uh, and, and cybercrime ways of, of actually attacking you. So, you know, be, you probably have a, a larger chance of that happening than someone physically uh, attacking you for posting mm-hmm. that information. Yeah. So, so you mentioned earlier, um, uh, kind of the, the different steps for, for identity theft I mean, kind of going in that. And, and since the Equifax, um, breach, there've been a lot of mentions of, um, credit freezes and, um, you know, locking down your own credit and your kid's credit and things like that. Um, what, what do you think about that? How, how effective is a credit freeze in terms of reducing the risk of identity theft? Um, uh, I guess from my perspective, it's I, I guess it's a it's a reactive uh, you know it's just a, a reactive measure. Um, I th- I don't know how effective it is um, because at that point that you're locking down your credit, 
um, you're going to have to go through so many steps to actually, you know, get credit, first of all, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's more of a pain for you than it is the cyber criminals because mm -hmm. they'll find ways around it. Um, they're, they're not necessarily going to apply for credit in your name. They're just sure. going to wipe out your bank account <laughs> or they're going to, you know, try some other things to, um, to, 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 to get at you. But um, I don't think many cyber criminals are going out there and applying for a home mortgage, mortgage loan. Uh, mm -hmm. Just, it just depends on, uh, you know, the specific actors. Sure. Sure. Okay. So um, how about moving kind of into the physical world? Um, postal mail, you know, you, you hear people giving advice about, um, you know, being careful what you leave in your mailbox and for how long and things like that. Um, what advice do you have about what people should do with postal mail related to preventing identity theft? Well, surely you should, if you're not going to be there or whatever, stop your mail. <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't know what people are uh, up to, but um, as it stands for that, I, I don't think there's a, a very large uh, threat that way for, for uh, identity theft. Um, of course, they're going to see your address, but there's several different just open source places you can go to get someone's address and understand if they live there or not, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's, there's websites out there that tell you, hey, this individual just bought a home here or there. You know, that's out there. That's free, free information. Right. Uh, so many different things that they can do instead of actually coming to your house or your mailbox and looking at your mail. Mm -hmm. How about uh, for kids? Are there particular steps that parents should be doing to protect their kids' identities? Um, you know, I, I, I guess also for the, for the kids, I would sign up for one of those identity theft um, uh, monitoring services. And yeah, again, you know, you have to be vigilant in knowing what sites your kids are going to and, and try to block those as much as you can and, and, and educate them on that. Um, you know, in our line of work, we've seen where, you know, there's identity theft, identities out there for people that are, you know, 13, 14 years old for sale, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that data was breached or uh, inhabited some way or another. And so, you can imagine some of these may be from, you know, they combine the different data from, uh, let's say, maybe a video gaming site and Equifax, right? Sure. So now I have a full identity here that I can sell, um, mm -hmm. you know, or a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old. <laughs> so those are things that, you know, people, they, you know, these, cyber, they, I won't say they're all very smart, but, <laughs> you know, they have, they're very creative of how to um, monetize the data. Mm-hmm. So let's say that uh, a person starts to, to see warning signs that their own identity or maybe their child's identity has been stolen. They, they see suspicious activity. Um, what steps should a person take if, if they have that suspicion or, or they outright know for sure their identity has been stolen? Um, what, what do you recommend that they do? Um, so I would, first off, uh, I think there's, a, there's like some fair credit bureau or something like that that you can reach out to 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 discuss like okay this is what has happened to me so there there's i don't have it right in front of me but there's certain steps that you can take to to reach out to uh different organizations so they can understand that all right this information is um out there and breached about myself or my child and how to remediate that um 
I think it'd be very, it's probably fairly easier for your child than it will be for you <laughs> uh, because you have so much of a credit history and you have, you know, your identity for what, 40, you know, 35, 40 plus years mm -hmm. that now is, is um, being obtained and used by cyber criminals. So there's a lot of things that you, as an adult, you would have to do and, and prove that you did not make these purchases or you did not uh, apply for this credit card or you didn't, um, you know, ask for certain things uh, to be changed uh, as your bank account and, and other things of that nature. So um, I think it's just, it's, it's understanding just the, the differences and the nuances and the, the different agencies that can help you out with that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So taking the, the right steps so that the uh, information gets corrected, um, things, things, uh, people who need to be made aware of, uh, the errors are and uh, as as quickly as possible, basically. Oh, yeah. definitely, yes. Yeah. So uh, I know a lot of times when uh, when the topics of identity theft and kind of stolen data comes up, um, you know, the the media likes to talk about the deep web and the dark web. And um, when I talk to people about that, they're often very confused about you know what is this deep web, what is this dark web. Um, so how would you explain those terms to the the average uh, kind of non technical person? Right. So I would explain the dark web as a, a marketplace that's like you need to be vetted to be on this marketplace. Uh, it's several different marketplaces, actually, and they specify in certain um, goods. So, you know, or you may have one that specifies in a variety of goods. So whether that is, you know. Uh, narcotics, um, um, stolen identities, um, guns, um, how-to books, all these type of things are in these dark web, uh, we'll call them like vendor places. So think of it like an Amazon of just bad things. <laughs> sure. All of those sit in the deep web <laughs> is, is what you need a specific uh, you need to know exactly where you're going to. So like Google indexes the entire uh, web. There's certain, you know, dot onion sites that will, you need to know exactly how to get to those specific um, dark web vendors. Mm -hmm. And so there's an address to that and you have to get on it on using the deep web. So mm -hmm. That would be my explanation for it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that can explain it better and we'll probably go into technical details about that, but that's, uh, that's how I would explain it. Sure, sure. Okay. So let's, uh, let's shift from kind of the individual level over to uh, the governmental level. Um, so kind of given your, your experience working in the government as well as the private sector, um, how would you say the, the U.S. government is doing in terms of handling current cyber threats? And then how do you think they're positioned for, for future cyber threats? Uh, I think they're handling the cyber issues uh, very well. Um, and I, I, it's always a game of cat and mouse. Mm -hmm. um, you, you catch up to, to one um, issue, one problem, and then another one happens. And, and the criminals always have a leg up because they'll go where we won't. And then we have laws and rules or where or I would say we, the government, I used to be. Um, it's laws, rules, and, and regulations that we have to abide by in order to, um, to, to catch these guys. And so um, we have to 
takes us a little while to get through those, but then we eventually get through them and, you know, uh, we, we start catching the guys and then they change their uh, MO again. And we have to go through that whole cycle again until we catch them again. Mm-hmm. Um, as it pertains to, you know, future cyber threats, I, I'm, there's <laughs> think tanks and groups out there that that's all they do is look at um, the, what they think is coming down the line. So, um, you know, I don't know how great we will do with that, but I'm pretty sure I have faith in them that this is, you know, something that they're looking at and how to uh, how to change it. Uh, I would think the bigger issue now is that since, you know, these cyber threats go across um, government agencies, but also to commercial agencies and com- commercial groups. So, you know, it's trying to figure out how the federal government will be able to help, you know, a large financial institution um, defend itself from a nation state hack, you know, uh, or will they do that? Or, you know, how the federal government will respond to something like that. So those are some of those larger issues at hand where, um, you know, it's just, it's going to be not only, you know, the, 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 the powers that be and the individuals that work these types of cases and, 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 and those commercial institutions trying to work together, but, you know, the government as a whole trying to, direct some kind of uh, policy towards uh, these, these new uh, wave of attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One uh, kind of debate that's been raging for, uh, for a while now between um, several national governments uh, and tech companies has been about encryption and, uh, and end-to-end encryption in messaging uh, platforms as well as other um, software uh, where Governments say, well, in order to properly monitor and enforce laws, we need to be able to to see conversations. Um, and tech companies saying, well, no, to protect privacy, we're going to have it end-to-end encrypted so that no one, including us or governments, can see um, these conversations. Uh, and and you know, the government governments have been asking for backdoor access so that they can monitor the communication. Um, do you have an opinion on on that debate? Um, my personal opinion would be, uh, I, I think with everything, we're always battling um, privacy and security. And that's the main debate here. And I always think on the, you know, the side of caution here where would I want, you know, anyone to have full access to all my data and everything that I, no, I wouldn't. But would I want someone to be able to um, be able to, you know, if, if something very bad was to say another 9-11 or something like that were, were to go on and someone would be able to, um, you know, have a backdoor into um, one of the main subjects, phones or something like that, that was communicating with people around the world, you know, would I want, that as well. Yes, I would. So there's a fine balance there and I can see both sides of, hey, we need access to this, you know, as the government, but then also as a citizen, my my information is private. And I've always said this, that um, I guess if I'm not doing nothing wrong, I have nothing to worry about. You know, I I lean on that side, but there are governments around the world that, that don't have the same you know, um, theory as we have, and they can intrude on um, 
private citizens uh, messages and phone conversations and things of that nature. So I can understand um, the fight between the two. I'm just more of a, if something very bad was going to happen, would I want someone that have access to that? And yes, I would. So um, I, I guess my, my, my position is I think there should be some way that the government should be able to access that, whether it's some legal way or something like that, that could happen. Yes. Um, but I don't, I don't think total amenity is, is the key for everyone. You know, uh, that, that, that's just the best thing for, for everyone in life. I, I don't believe in that. Mm. So you've uh, kind of witnessed digital security and privacy trends over the last couple of decades. Um, does that make you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? Uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty uh, optimistic. Um, I think, you know, there's new technology popping up all the time and we have to figure out, um, you know, what, what privacy concerns may, um, we may have with that. You know, um, it's, you know, I guess years ago, you know, the internet alone was considered, you know, a very bad <laughs> place to be, be on, you know, it's nothing only used for porn and things of that nature. And, and look how this is, evolved right everything's on the internet so um we definitely need to figure out a way of the you know the the future of what are some of these security and privacy con concerns uh, with the new technology mm -hmm. on the the 4iq website um you share news and advice about data breaches identity theft a lot of the topics that we've been discussing um other than your own website uh what other ways do you recommend that people stay informed about cybersecurity and privacy issues? Are there any particular sources that you recommend? Um, I mainly, I would say there's a, a lot of reading that I do from different uh, websites that um, provide us information on some of these um, data breaches. So I think one of them um, is, um, I think it's called Data Breach Today or something like that, databreach.com. Um, it's a really good collect collection of uh, data breaches, and um, basically, you know, they 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 have articles about breaches that have happened during the week, the month, and things of that nature, and you get some really good insight on those. So, I look at those, but I would also say again, if you know, just for the regular consumer, you know, you sign up for one of these. Um, these monitoring services so you know that your specific data is out there and mm -hmm. what you should do to remediate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other warnings or advice or encouragement uh, that you'd like to share before we conclude? Well, I'll be remorse to say, you know, it's the holidays. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this is where things gear up and, uh, you know, you don't want to have a bad holiday. So just be very careful about where you you know, spend your money also as well, you know, giving that information out. If it doesn't seem right, then, you know, don't do it. Um, you know, just just by going to the gas station and, and buying, for ga <laughs> buying gas with your credit card, you know, the next thing you know, you're exposed. So, you know, just be very vigilant and, uh, during the holidays of what, you know, what kind of information and, and that digital footprint that you're leaving out there. Right, yeah. 
So for people who want to learn more about you or about 4IQ, uh, where can they find you online? Uh, mainly on LinkedIn. Yeah, okay. uh, not on any other uh, sources, but uh, LinkedIn. And uh, you can always uh, reach me at uh, um, on luke.wilson at 4IQ.com. All right. Well, today I've been joined by Luke Wilson, Vice President of Intelligence at 4IQ. Luke, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. And I'm Chad Warner of Defending Digital, teaching you to defend your digital life. I hope you found the interview insightful and helpful. You can find a text summary of the interview at defendingdigital.com and also links to 4IQ as well as finding Luke Wilson on LinkedIn. So what should you do? Step one, consider signing up for an identity theft monitoring service for yourself and other members of your family, including your children. Two, don't use the same password for multiple accounts. Make each password unique. Three, use a password manager to securely store your passwords. Four, monitor your kids to know what they're doing online. You can use apps for monitoring, or look at your router logs, or configure your router to block sites. Five, educate your kids about online safety. The earlier, the better. Six, be careful about who you grant access to your info, especially during high-risk times, such as holidays and tax season. Seven, be aware of scams that request personal info. Eight, don't send sensitive info by email or text. Nine, don't post photos that reveal your location. Ten, don't reveal that you're traveling by posting about it. And 11, if you suspect or know that your identity has been stolen, follow the steps outlined by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, including filing an identity theft report with identitytheft.gov. You can learn more about protecting yourself and your kids online at defendingdigital.com. If you found this episode helpful and uh, you're liking the podcast, I'd love it if you would open the app or site they're using to listen to this podcast and uh, leave a star rating, uh, leave a review if you're so inclined to write one, um, and also tell others about the podcast and tell others about the website, defendingdigital.com. Thanks.